Well, good morning. My name is Alan. I'm so glad to be here with you today. It's my privilege to launch our series of sermons with regard to Advent. And so when we begin to think about Advent and the journey that we're on, let me just help us position ourselves for a brief moment before we launch into the text. If you want to go to the text, it's Luke chapter 1. For the next four weeks, we're going to be spending our time uh, in our teaching in Luke chapters 1 and 2. And so today, Luke chapter 1, you can put your finger there. That's where we're going to launch from. But as we begin, Advent simply is a, a season where we watch, where we wait, where we welcome the king and his kingdom. This journey is a preparation of our hearts and our minds. Kurt said it really, really well. An opportunity to discover brand new humility before the Lord. To have the awakening of need and longing and engagement. In the words of one of my new friends, Fleming Rutledge, I love what she says about Advent. She says simply this, that Advent is the once and future coming of the king. The once and future coming of the king. So as we watch, as we wait, as we welcome, we have the opportunity to discover that this is a journey toward joy. A journey toward joy. Now, as we begin to launch into Luke's account uh, of Jesus' life and ministry, uh, let me just point out a couple of things to you uh, in the opening verses. Uh, just the, in, in the launching, Luke is writing to his friend Theophilus. And it appears that Theophilus is in a little bit of trouble. I, I, let me say it differently. He's not necessarily in trouble, but he is concerned, and he is bearing a heavy weight. The weight, apparently, it seems, the weight of discouragement. Anybody ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. The weight of discouragement. And Luke says really clearly in the opening words of his story that he writes so that his hope will be fulfilled that Theophilus carrying this weight that is heavy that by his writing somehow the weight that Theophilus carries will be lightened and he says not only will his discouragement be lightened but that he will be strengthened by the testimonies of his fellow travelers. He hopes that Theophilus will find confidence in the message that he has received and in the trust he has placed in following Jesus. With that in the background, let's read the first four verses of Luke, and it's going to come up on the screen behind me. And it begins like this, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. 
With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, if that's a once invitation, you know, a one-time invitation, I would be surprised. Because what, what happens in the storytelling of the scriptures is the trajectory of God's love is revealed to us. And when we find people just like ourselves navigating life in this world just as we do, there is a hope that births within us that if God did it for them, he'll do it for us. And this is what Advent is about. What God has done, he is doing. And what God is doing will come to a completion, a Revelation 21 engagement. And if you haven't read Revelation 21, just take that as a homework assignment. Go do that. Your life and your hope and the trajectory of your future will leap bounds forward. But in the approach that Luke takes to telling the story of Jesus, I just want to Drill down for two seconds, right? What was his source? Read Luke, read Acts. He says the source of his information comes from eyewitnesses. People who were there. People who were familiar. People who saw it. Experienced it. The life, the love, the ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection. The kingdom of God come and coming. The scope of his investigation was, he said, I did my very, very best to be thorough, to leave, in our language, no stone unturned. The timeline, he didn't just jump into the middle of the story. He said, I, I want to tell you, I, I started at the beginning, and I'm trying to tell you a story from the beginning to the end, so you have... You have parenthetical engagement with the life and ministry of Jesus, beginning to end. And he said, I've decided that I'm going to make it as clear as possible, his word, an orderly account. Another way to think about it, Daryl Bach says this, he says, he carefully took account of the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, with that as a backdrop, let me say to you, the very work that God is doing through Luke for the sake of Theophilus is the work that God is doing in us and through us for our sake to encourage and strengthen our confidence and lighten the weight of discouragement. We can move on now. We continue reading in the text. In the time of Herod, the king of Judah, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, because, but, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty... 
He was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple and to burn incense before the Lord. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah naturally says, well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple when he came out, he could not speak. They realized he had, been, he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor. And taken away my disgrace among the people. As I impact this today, there's this overarching thought that we were singing about today. And I just thank the team so much for setting the table of our engagements with God. Especially in this passage and especially in this season. Kurt's already asked you to take a walk down our gallery of art for Advent. When you do, if you start just around this corner, the first, the first piece of work has a title to it. And that's connected deeply to where I am today. I'm going to say it in a little bit different way, but the title of that piece of art is God Meets You Where You Are. Let me tell you where God meets us. This is what I want to say. God meets us in the ordinary. In the ordinary. This is where God meets us. And when God meets us in the ordinary, we regularly find in Scripture, as we find in this passage, that when God meets us in the ordinary, something happens inside of us and hope is renewed. Hope is renewed. 
Let me take you back to verse 8. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple and to burn uh, the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When he came out, the time burning of incense came, all the people were assembled and worshiping. Let me just talk to you about the ordinary of that process. Anybody have um, habitual patterns of engagement? Right? You, you do things, and you do them in a certain direction. Well, let me talk to you about the orderly nature of service. The orderly nature of service. You, you might not notice this, but uh, Zechariah was engaging in not something that was extraordinary. He was engaging in something with which he was greatly familiar. He was engaging in his ordinary service. Zechariah, our old and faithful. They're familiar with their routine, an ordinary life of service and prayer. An ordinary life that was familiar with the work of the priesthood and the engagement of the priesthood. And here's what it looked like back then. The engagement of the priesthood, they served twice a year. And there were approximately 18,000 priests, so says Daryl Bach. But you could say large numbers of priests who were engaged in service, serving twice a year. And while this was ordinary service, there was a special place in this service because it says lots were drawn. That was sort of a way to determine who served in the holy place. What you need to know about that is simply one time in the priest's life who was not the high priest, one time in a priest's life, he had the privilege of engaging and serving in the holy place. But in this ordinary service is the place where God meets Zechariah. Ordinary service. You ever thought of heroic deeds? Heroic service? Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. In, in heroic service, you know what? I'm always, I'm always the champion. Right? Heroic service almost always puts the spotlight on me. Ordinary service comes as surprise when God shows up. You ever been doing the ordinary and suddenly God shows up, not with Gabriel, but with the push, with the nudge, with an engagement that says, what about now? What about here? What about the thing that I'm doing? The ordinary service is the place where God makes himself known. I also think when we think about this passage, that one of the things we have to encounter is that God is always at work in our ordinary prayer. In our ordinary prayer. You know, I love praying when great inspiration comes on me. This morning, this morning I experienced a great sense of God's presence, and I love that always. I do. I, I, I am grateful for every moment. But I have to tell you, my prayer life is more ordinary most all the time than that. I pray, and it's just ordinary 
prayer. And I pray like you pray. And a long time ago, I, earned, uh, I, I learned that there's an, across, there, there's, there's an acronym, A-C-T-S, that helps me understand how I can pray. And I can pray with adoration. I am grateful for all that God. So I, I praise God for who he is. I pray with thanksgiving. Uh, we just celebrated a great opportunity for thanksgiving this week. We ate too much, and then we had to pray for the Lord to forgive us for overeating. And then we had to sleep it off, and then when we woke up again, we went right back to eating too much. But we pray with adoration. We pray with thanksgiving. We pray with confession. I got my letters turned around. It's not ATC. It's a adoration, confession. We confess our 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 lives before the Lord. And, and then the final, we pray with supplication. And I, I just imagine, I just imagine that this is the way that Zechariah prayed as well, with adoration, confession, and thanksgiving. And the news that comes to him from Gabriel is this. Your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. You love that, right? Your ordinary prayers have been heard by the God of the extraordinary. Your ordinary prayers have been heard by the God who is able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And in this season of watching and waiting with ordinary service and ordinary prayers, there is an expectation that God will join us presently. Your prayer has been heard. You and Elizabeth's prayer have been heard. You know what that prayer was, right? Would you grant us a child? That's a big deal, and I don't have time to unpack it this morning because of the time that I have, but it was a really big deal. Do you know they had waited so long that that hope was fading quickly. It says they hadn't had a child and there wasn't much expectancy to have a child because they were now old. They were now old. They, simply, they were beyond the years of reproducing children. He says, the prayer that I've heard is personal. He also says that your prayers have been heard. And I assume that the prayers that they have prayed extended far beyond themselves because they prayed for God's people. They prayed for God's people. They prayed for the peace and well-being and the engagement of the people of God. See... In ordinary service and in ordinary prayer, God makes himself known. And in each of these instances, hope fills their hearts fresh and new. I love what Fred Craddock says about God's work and Luke's explanation of God's work. Here, here's what he says. For Luke, God works in and through the normal avenues of life in the believing community. Here he lays out a fundamental conviction. 
continuity with Israel's institutions, rituals, and faith puts one in a uh, continuity with Israel's institutions, rituals, and faith puts one in position to be used for God's purpose. The old, in this case, an old couple, will usher in the new. Another way to say that is in your everyday, ordinary life and practices, live with expectation. This week I've heard some wonderful stories about God meeting people in the ordinary. I won't tell them all. I just want to just let you know I've heard personal stories this week that I will let others share about God meeting them in the ordinary. May I ask you a question? What about you? What about you? What about you? Just quick reflection. Where has God met you in your everyday, ordinary life? If our minds were like our phones and we had them turned on for notifications, pinging would be going through the building. Ping, 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 ping. Because the Holy Spirit is at work reminding you right now the places that God has been at work let me just say to you if you're discouraged it may be because it's been a long time you're in good company because Zachariah and Elizabeth had waited a really long time and Gabriel says your prayers have been heard don't give up on the life of the ordinary that introduces you to the God of the extraordinary if he has met you the question is where will he meet you see hope renewed begins to help us live with expectation not that life is over. You see what happened with Zechariah and Elizabeth? They were sort of on the downhill journey of life. They had already, the apex had been reached, and they were sort of just, in their thoughts, just settling into a life that will come to an end, and their, their expectations were dwindling. And in that dwindling state of expectation, God met them in the ordinary. Where will, where will God meet you in the ordinary? If you're discouraged and you're... you're you're thinking there's not much hope into the future, let me suggest to you that God's not finished yet. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with us. His work is not finished, which is why we wait on the king who has come and is coming again. There's more. There's more. Advent encourages us that what we have is great, but more is on its way. So let me quickly finish up by saying I want to take a look at the work of the kingdom and its hope in our lives. And let me just say, I've already said it, but I'll say it differently. The work of the kingdom and his, its hope in our life is always personal. 
the, the hope is always, that, that work is always a personal. Uh, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer's been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John, and I'll let you continue to read that. So let me just jump on. Can you imagine the magnitude of this encounter? Just, just try to take it in. The magnitude of this encounter. A long-held dream that's quickly fading. And an encountering of the promise of God. A promise that breathes life and hope into our hearts. It's personal and it's renewal of hope that is lost. Gabriel declares, Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Let me just highlight the personal engagements in this, in this encounter. Regularly, when we encounter God, there's this element of fear. There really is. Just read the text. I mean, just read Scripture. It's a regular happening. God shows up and people are like, whoa! I don't think we're any different. Right? And when God shows up with hope that's bigger than ours, we think, oh man, I don't want to get... I don't want to get too engaged in it because what if it doesn't happen, right? I think that's what's going on. Zechariah's like, whoa, 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 wait. We're old, right? He, he locked in. We're old. We've been dreaming about this for a really long time. We're old. How can this be? He says, don't be afraid. But then he begins to unpack the personal engagement and the blessing that the gift will be to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Listen to it. Here's the personal blessing. He will be a joy and delight to you. That, that hope you've always had, he'll be a joy and delight to you. If your parents, you know, this delight, you, you always anticipate the joy that your children will be to you, but there's a, there's a dream beyond just the joy to you. It says, he will be a blessing to many. You, you carry that as parents? You, you want your children to live this life in the world that they live uh, in a way that, that they'll bless others. And it says, the blessing will be that others will rejoice in his birth with you. You want people to be, your children to be blessed in this way? He will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's born. How many parents have prayed for their children's source of life and strength to be discovered and held in obedience and the empowerment of God himself? Let me just say as a side note, while my notes fall, as a side note, I would encourage you to pay attention in the first two chapters of Luke as you read them. I hope you will. Pay attention to the first two chapters of Luke about the activity of the Holy Spirit and how many times the work of God in these first two chapters is highlighted by this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work that God is doing. So this encounter with God in the ordinary is an encounter with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then this is really, really personal Elizabeth says, my disgrace 
has been taken away. See, there was a heavy cultural weight that she bore for not being fertile and productive. And let me just say this distinctly as I know how, the best gift she could have been given in a child in that culture was a son. All children are beautiful, but in that culture, a son was really, really, really important because it had to do with the family structure and the continuance of the life in that family structure. Let me just say an observation I make about this encounter of the personal is simply this. Because we can just get so absorbed with what God's doing for us personally, which will take us to the next section, is I want to say to you, the work of God in you is intended to be the work of God through you given to others. The work of God in you is designed not to hold for yourself, but it's the work of God through you given to others. We say it this way all the time. God is at work for his glory, for our good, and through us, the good of others. That's just another way of saying that. The work of God in you is intended, and I I use that word intentionally, because sometimes we don't participate, right? God does something good in us, and we just don't participate. For some reason, we can't witness to the work. How is it? that we can post every plate of food we've eaten for the last month. Right? Right? right. No problem. I mean, you have a great meal. We had one last night with a great celebration. Uh, I imagine somewhere photos were posted in social media about the meal we shared last night. How is it that we can be so free with the good work of God in and through us I mean, the, the, the good work of the food we receive in and through us so publicly, and sometimes the good work of God in us and through us, we find difficulty sharing. Our work, our hope is personal, but our work, our hope is also communal. Communal. He'll be a joy and delight to many. He'll bring back many, uh, bring back many people to the Lord. He'll work in the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll turn the hearts of parents toward their children, turn the disobedient people to wisdom and righteousness, and prepare people for the Lord. The work of God in us and through us is a gift designed to be given to others. I finish. It's simply this. I'm just going to give you the highlight. I'm not going to unpack it. But your experience is our hope is present. There's an expectation right here, right now, that God is present among us. And I will tell you, Kurt's already mentioned it, but I will tell you, God is present among us right here, right now. In our singing, God was present. God was present. Real. Palpable. Present. He's present here, right now. And the work that he wants to do in us and through us is to be aware of that presence. But let me remind you that if our work, the work of God is present, we also have to understand that the kingdom of God and the work of the kingdom is also 
Our hope is future. Our hope is future. The work of Advent awakens us to the reality that our king and his kingdom are here and present among us. And while it does its work, this kingdom of God whispers, whispers, whispers. He is coming again in power and glory. He will make all things new. And the people of God say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. our time to an end today as I've been looking at this this week just seen a beautiful picture of how God is at work in the world he's at work in the world in the ordinary and that gives me hope to live into the season of Advent because it is the work of the ordinary where we set aside time to watch to wait and to welcome in a posture of humility there is an opportunity in the season of advent to nurture an expectation that God is not hiding from us but that he is present in our everyday ordinary lives desiring desiring to meet us in the ordinary and I want to give us an opportunity to suggest that today is the day to welcome him here and now. Here and now. My friend Fleming Rutledge says that Advent isn't for wimps. I think this week I've been getting a sense of why it's not for wimps because in all of our lives I think there is a waiting for the work of God to appear and it's hard work it's just hard weighty work and it has to do with the weight of Theophilus I believe the weight that we also bear the weight of discouragement how long oh Lord how long deliverance from Pharaoh they waited 400 years the awakening of this story that I just told you there was a silence of again another period of about 400 years I can say with confidence that none of us have been waiting for 400 years But the weight of discouragement can weigh heavy over a period of four days, 40 days. Can I, I could just keep expanding that, right? And I have a, 
really strong sense that the season of life we've been in has produced the opportunity for waiting and disappointment. And so my prayer today is that God would meet us in the ordinary and that he would meet us in a personal way that would flow over into our communal life of expectation. So today, we regularly practice the ordinary grace of God. It's why we pray every week. It's why we pray every week for anyone who wants prayer because this is the ordinary practice of God's people. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. We know they are present, but we're asking for an engagement that renews hope within us. And so I'm going to ask you to do a really bold thing. You don't have to come to the front. And I know this is a bold thing. But if you've been under the weight of discouragement, and you have been watching and waiting and welcoming, but you haven't seen the weight of discouragement lifted, and you have a sense that yeah, that's me, and I want God to meet me. Would you just be bold enough to stand right where you are? Now, at the vineyard, we never let anybody stand alone. So if, you, if you've been under discouragement, just go ahead and stand. At the vineyard, we don't let ever, ever let anybody stand by themselves. So if someone is standing near you, don't let them stand alone. Whether you know them or you don't know them, right? Just don't let anybody stand alone. Fantastic. I'm, I'm just watching and I'm waiting. Oh God, we welcome you to meet these who recognize their need. Now we ask now, oh God, that you would speak to the place of discouragement. Begin to Speak in a way that renews hope, that restores expectation, that strengthens, O oh Lord, our capacity to continue to watch and wait. As much as we would love for a divine intervention in this moment, we ask for that, Lord, we understand that it's possible that we just need to have the strengthening to continue to wait. And so, Lord, I pray that Advent that begins in darkness right here and right now will begin to shine 
a small light of hope in the lives of each person who has stood today. A hope that over the next days and weeks will burn not just a flickering lamp, but something that burns brighter and brighter, that strengthens and encourages. Discouragement in relationships, discouragement in employment, discouragement in sickness, discouragement in resources, Lord, people who are looking for employment and in a tough place. Oh, Lord, would you meet these here and now? Now, if you're praying with someone, standing together with them, you can continue to pray. I'd like to have everybody else stand with me. Just for a prayer of blessing. simple prayer blessing is this I pray that your eyes your heart and your mind will receive the life and love of our King He would fill you and satisfy you in his love. And that he would surround you by a host of witnesses to declare he is at work. Take confidence in his love and be filled with courage, I pray, in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.